We're continuing our look at the model prayer, the disciples' prayer, the outline for prayer, found here in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Graceful Truth with Pastor Stephen Converse is coming up next. Join us. From Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, this is Graceful Truth. Welcome to the broadcast. Pastor Steve Converse returns us to Matthew chapter 6 as we continue our look at the disciples' prayer, God's paternity, if you will, a look at his desire for our relationship and fellowship with him. Now, the right kind of righteousness in praying is what we'll be focusing on today. Please join us with today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. Here's Pastor Steve. You can turn over to Matthew chapter 6 this morning, Matthew chapter 6. We're working our way, kind of weaving our way through the Gospel of Matthew. And we've come to a section that's commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. We call it the Disciples' Prayer because that's what it is. I just want to read it for us this morning so we can kind of get a hold of what we want to talk about concerning the Disciples' Prayer. In verse 9, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Last week, we looked at uh, kind of an overall purpose of prayer. Why does God want us to pray? Why does God give us the gift of prayer? We kind of boiled it down that there are two spiritual activities in the life of a believer that should be gone, going on all the time, continuously. We talked about those two being, first of all, the study of the Word of God, and secondly, prayer. Those two elements, those two basic things are very foundational to a believer's life. They should be something that's unceasingly going on in a believer's life. Um, in Acts chapter 6, verse 4, they said in the new church, it says this, we, give, we will give ourselves continually, that means ongoing, to first of all prayer, and then also the ministry of the Word. And if there's two things you have to have in, an, in a church that's going to stand on the principles of God's Word, it's first of all prayer, and then also the study of God's Word. Not necessarily in that order, but those are two basic things. And we talked a little bit about last week how it's so essential that we study the Word of God so that we know how to pray intelligently. Sometimes we pray for things that God has already given us. And I encourage you to get the message from last week if you missed that, talking about prayer. But man, throughout the Psalms, is told over and over again to meditate on the law of God day and night. It was supposed to be a matter of his thoughts all the time, 24-7. Well, the same thing deals with prayer. In, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says that we're to pray without ceasing. I remember when I first became a Christian, I thought, how in the world am I going to pray without ceasing? And I remember trying to do an all-prayer, all-night prayer meeting, you know, and uh, just falling asleep and feeling like the disciples going, oh man, I blew it again, you know. Can't even tarry with the Lord one hour and I fall asleep. And I misunderstood what it meant to pray without ceasing. And the Apostle Paul also says, pray always with all prayer and supplication. So throughout the New Testament, we're told that we're to do everything by prayer and with thanksgiving, make our requests be made known unto God. And so we're to be praying at all time. And to make sure that we pray the right way, we're to study the Word of God 
take it in, meditate on it, kind of apply it to our lives each day. And when we do those things, hopefully our prayers will be prayers that are effective. George Mueller said this, he was a man of great prayer, he said, I live in the spirit of prayer. I pray as I walk, when I lie down, and when I arise, the answers are always coming. See, prayer was a way of life. Prayer isn't something that we do as Christians. It should be an attitude that we have, a constant dependence upon God. Our Lord knows how important prayer was. He knew it was to be a way of life. He spent much time in communion, in prayer with His Heavenly Father. And he stops right here in the middle of the, the uh, discourse here on the Sermon of the Mount to give a lot of attention to prayer. He talks about giving and he also talks about fasting. And sandwiched right between those two is the topic of prayer. And he gives more volume in words to that subject than the other two. And there's a reason for that. You can give all you want, but if you're not doing it prayerfully, it doesn't mean anything to the Lord. You can fast all you want, but unless you're doing it you know, in the Spirit of the Lord, it's not going to do anything for you. And so prayer is kind of a central element to our lives. It should be. And here he's dealing with Pharisees and Sadducees that would go out on the street corner and dress up in fancy clothes and go, oh, look at me. And they pray these eloquent prayers. And everybody go, oh, look at how religious that person is. And God says, you know what? It doesn't matter what you wear. It doesn't matter what you look like. What matters is what's on the inside. What's the attitude of your heart. And it's kind of interesting that the disciples even knew how important it was to pray. And and in the Gospel of Luke, it says that they came to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. I don't know about you, but I need the Lord to teach me to pray. Prayer comes hard. It's it's tough. It's difficult at times because you want to be so independent. You want to be so self-sufficient. How many times, guys, have you got the thing home from the store in the little box and you rip the part and the, 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 the parts are all over the living room floor and you rip the part the directions and you're frustrated. And then you realize, you know what? I didn't even pray about this. Try to put this thing together and now it's a big mess. So you pause and you pray and you go back to your task and it just seems to kind of flow seamlessly together. See, God wants us to do that first of all in life. He doesn't want us to make it something that we kind of attach on the end. Are we truly thankful to the Lord when we go out to a restaurant and we said, well, who's going to bless? Oh, I'll bless the food. Are we really thankful? Are we, is this just a thing we do as Christians? Sometimes I wonder, how about if we pray after the meal? Then we'll know how to pray. Was it a good meal? We should pray that the Lord would protect us from catching food poisoning or something. You know, it doesn't, it, those are kind of technical things, but you know, th- those things don't really matter. It's the attitude of the heart. And there's a, a little particulars that God does not teach about prayer. He doesn't teach us about the posture of prayer. He doesn't tell us, oh, you have to be bowed down in order to pray. If you're bowed down, I'll hear you. But if you're standing up, I'm not going to hear you. Do you know that in the Bible, people prayed standing, lifting up their hands, sitting, kneeling, lifting up their eyes, bowing down, placing their head between their knees, pounding on their breasts, facing a temple, facing away from the temple, all sorts of things. On and on and on. doesn't matter what posture you're in. Don't get hung up on that. I have a sister that came to know the Lord while she was sitting on the toilet. She prayed and, you know, I said, well, tell me about your testimony. You know, she told me, well, you can probably leave that part out. But here I am sharing it with you Sunday morning. I'm sure she will edit that out of the tape. But there's no specific posture for prayer. Now, is there anything wrong with kneeling? Not at all. Matter of fact, the pastor of uh, uh, Baptist Church in in, uh, Dallas, Texas, I think it was, A.W. Criswell, he said the one thing the Catholic Church got right was the kneeling, little kneelers that they have in the Catholic Church. And he had kneelers installed in his Baptist church because he knew his people didn't know how to pray. 
they lost the heart for prayer. You can pray kneeling, you can pray standing, you can pray driving down the freeway. I've done that many times. There's no specific posture. He also doesn't tell us about any place to pray. See, some people you know, say, well, why don't you have your church open during the week so we can come by and pray? Well, first of all, if we left the church open, people would rip off all of our stuff which probably wouldn't be a good steward of what we have. But besides that point, say it was just an empty building, we had nothing in here of value, could we leave the doors open? Sure. But what's the purpose? This isn't a holy place. This is a building with wood and, and, and plaster, and it's put together, and it's a place where Christians gather on the first day of the week to worship the Lord. That's all it is. It could be a cow field. doesn't matter. There's no place to pray that's more holy than others. And that's why Jesus doesn't talk about that. In the Bible, they prayed while they were in battle. They prayed in a cave. They prayed in a closet. They prayed in the garden. They prayed on a mountainside, by a river, by the sea. They prayed in God's house, the temple. First Timothy says, let men pray what? Everywhere. Same thing as Paul when he wrote, pray unceasingly. That'd be hard to do if you weren't praying everywhere. The Bible says that men prayed everywhere. They prayed in bed. You can pray in a home. You can pray while you're fishing. You can pray on a housetop. You can pray while you're in prison. You can pray. It doesn't matter where. God will hear your prayer if you're one of his children. There's no specific place to pray. He also doesn't talk about times. (laughs) Some people say, well, you know, isn't it more spiritual to pray in the morning? No, it's not. It's probably a wise thing to do. Start your day off fresh. You wake up. First thing you do is open your mouth and praise the Lord and say a prayer. God, get me through this day, whatever it is. That's a wise thing to do. But that's not any more spiritual than before you go to bed saying, Boy, God, thank you for this day and you know, bless tomorrow. It doesn't tell us certain times to pray. That would be a contradiction of praying all the time. <laughs> you think about it. They prayed in the morning. They prayed three times a day. They prayed in the evening. They prayed before meals. They prayed after meals. They prayed at the ninth hour, at bedtime, at midnight, day and night, today. Often, you know, you, you see this happening that we have this prescribed time when we pray. That's not what prayer is about. We need to be praying when we're old, when we're young, when we're in trouble, when we're being blessed. Always, it says. There's no specific time for prayer. He doesn't give a specific time. He doesn't give a specific place. He doesn't even give a specific posture for prayer. In some cultures, they feel when they pray, they have to put a prayer shawl on. There's even churches in the uh, United States that feel that, you know, when you go to church, women should wear a hat and all this kind of thing. That's fine. If they want to do that, there's nothing wrong with that. But don't tell me you're more spiritual because you got something over your head and I literally have nothing. Okay? That's ridiculous. See, and back in G- Jesus' time, these people would actually, just like they do today, if you go over to Jerusalem and you go to the, the, uh, the, the wailing wall there where they pray, they don't just come in blue jeans and, you know, hey, what's... I mean, they come decked out in all their stuff and they got their little prayer things and they got the things wrapped around their wrists. and their, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. But that's what their culture teaches them. But the Bible says that basically people prayed in all kinds of circumstances with... All kinds of attitudes, and sometimes they wore sackcloth, sometimes they were sitting in ashes, sometimes they were shaving their head, they were beating their breasts, they were crying out, they were applying dust to their head, it says. They were tearing their garments with a sign of mourning, fasting, sighing, groaning, crying aloud, all sorts of things. They were agonizing, they even have Jesus praying in the garden as he was sweating blood because his prayers were so intense. He was under so much stress. See, those aren't the issues when we talk about prayer. A lot of times we want to make them the issues. 
And we say, well, how's your prayer life going? Well, you know, I missed a couple this last week. You know, I, I do it in the morning, you know, and over my coffee, and I, that's what time I have my prayer. And See, and Jesus is saying it shouldn't be relegated just to this little segment of our life. It's more of an attitude of the heart. Prayer is a total way of life. And beloved, don't think I'm up here telling you that because I, I know this from experience. Like I said, I struggle in the area of prayer because you want to be self-sufficient. You want to just do these things. You, know, you, don't, you think of God as, hey, I don't want to bother you right now. You know, I can, can't handle this myself. And he's going, bother me, please bother me. Come to me with your needs, your requests, your praises, whatever it is. I want more. And so it should be a way of life. And so when we come to this prayer, the disciples' prayer, it's so important to understand that this is not something that we just repeat. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We don't do that. That's not what Jesus said. He didn't say in verse 9, repeat this prayer. It doesn't say that. It says, in this manner, therefore pray. In other words, okay, you know what? I'm giving you an example. I'm giving you a model for your prayer life. I'm giving you a model when you come to God in prayer. Here's a model that you can use. He's not saying repeat these words. That would go against the, 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 the previous thing that he talked about, praying with vain repetition. And unfortunately, this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, the Disciples' Prayer, whatever you want to call it, has been kind of diminished to something that we just recite. There's nothing wrong with reciting it. They're the words of the Lord. It's just like reciting any other verse. But don't just memorize it, to memorize it, to say it, to think that somehow these, this, this, this prayer is some, some form of, of prayer that Jesus gave you to repeat often. That's not what he did. He gave it to you as a model. In the, the example of over in Luke, when they said, teach us to prayer, he repeats basically the Lord's Prayer once again, but he says some things a little different. So he didn't mean us to repeat these words exactly. And so when he says, after this manner, pray, he says, this is a model for you. Don't just go off repeating these words. Don't just memorize it. That's not what we're called to do when it comes to a prayer. Is there anything wrong with memorizing Scripture? Not at all. Is this Scripture? Yeah. Can you memorize it? Sure. But make sure that you stop and you understand what you're saying. And last week we looked at the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer is not trying to get God to agree with our plans. So many times we come up with something. You know, I'm thinking about a career change. Oh, really? Well, i got to pray about it. And see, what we mean by that is we're going to go to God and we're going to say, this is what I want, and I want you to kind of make it happen. And so many times, we're so focused on what we want, we couldn't hear if God was standing right beside us shouting in our ear, I don't want you to do that. We'd, we'd continue down that path because we've, we've isolated him from our lives in so many ways. And, and one way is prayer. See, prayer is not trying to get God to do what you want or to agree with you. Prayer is, is us coming to God, affirming the sovereignty that He has, and affirming His majesty, and affirming that He's God, and that we're not. And then we take our will, and we say, God, you know what, I don't know if you want this or not, but make it submissive to your will. I talked to my brother Tom yesterday, he's dealing with some cancer, and he's got it in his lungs, and it's spread to his back, and so they're dealing with this radiation and everything, and similar to my brother Bob, I guess, I don't know, but I told him on the phone, I said, well, I'll be... Uh, you know, praying for you. And he said, well, I appreciate that. And uh, at one point, he kind of asked me, well, what are you going to pray? <laughs> and he laughed. And I said, you know, I said, I don't know. I said, I can't sit here and say, I'm going to pray for God's healing because I don't know if it's God's will for you to heal. 
All I can tell you is God's sovereign. We're all going to die on time. And, and brother, if it's your time to go, the important thing is, is not knowing the time. It's, it's being ready for that time. He said, good. I like that, that kind of prayer. And I said, I just pray that God will give you the grace to get through these treatments you're going through and things like that. Because I don't know what else to pray. I mean, if it's God's will that he heals you, that'd be that'd be incredible thing. But that's not the first thing necessarily that I'm praying for. I'm praying that his will will be done in your life. See, and sometimes we don't understand that. In John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14, the Lord says this, when we ask anything in his name, he hears us. Remember, we talked about this last week. It doesn't mean just attaching Jesus' name to the end of a prayer. Lord, I want a new Cadillac in Jesus' name. I want my bank account filled up in Jesus' name. You hear this all the time. That's not what it means. It means in submission with his will with his desire in mind. In Jesus' name, at the end of a prayer, isn't doesn't make the prayer magical. It's okay to pray a prayer and not say, in Jesus' name at the end. Because it's not just the words, it's the attitude of the heart. And in verse 14, he goes on and he says, in order that the Father may be glorified. See, that's the purpose of our prayers. It's not to get things from God. That's what we think so many times. We think that the purpose of prayer is just to get things from God. God, I'm having a hard time at work. You know, I want you to make things better. Family's a little disruptive and make things better. And, and we constantly go to God like he's some divine Santa Claus saying, give me this, give me that. And God's saying, you know what? I'll give you what will glorify me. Because in the end, it's the glorification of God that's what's important. It's not what we get. God gave us prayer for the basic purpose of putting his majesty on display. Stop and think about this. When you're praying for somebody who's sick and maybe their life is extended a year, I don't think you walk around saying, yeah, awesome prayer, man. I extended that guy's life one year. You don't say that. That that would be outrageous to say something like that. What do you do? You say, man, praise God. God has extended. God is lifted up. God is exalted. Well, who gets the praise? It's God. It's got to be God. See, a lot of times we want to steal the glory and the praise that's due God in our lives. And we want to apply it to ourselves because that makes us feel get better. It makes us build up our ego. It helps us kind of have a, a better sense of self-esteem and all this stuff. God's saying, no, that's not what it's about. It's about my glory. And in the Old Testament, you see time and time and time again where they understood this principle. You see Jonah in the belly of a whale or a great fish, it says. Incredible circumstance. You know, if I was in the belly of a great fish and I had the opportunity to pray, I mean, what would be the first thing that came out of your mouth? Be honest. Get me out of here. It stinks. You know, my skin's turning white from the acid. You know, it smells like fish. Duh. You know, I want out of here. That's the first thing that I would pray. You look at Jonah and his prayer. And in Jonah chapter 2, he begins a prayer and you would think that, that he would just cry out to God. But he begins with this marvelous prayer of worship and praise. And he praises God for his sovereignty and, and all this stuff. And you're thinking, man, Jonah, you know, it's getting a little stinky in there. Don't you just, just ask him to get out. But he exalts the name of the Lord. The same thing in Daniel chapter 9. Daniel's in this sticky situation. You know, he's been praying. And because he lives in a, a pagan Babylonian society, he was having some problems. They didn't want him to do that. And it could have been kind of a life or death situation. And rather than just saying, God, get me out of here, he affirms the majesty and the glory and the holiness of the almighty character of the sovereign God. Jeremiah 32 spent most of his life in frustration, confusion, perplexity, spent most of the time weeping because he tried to reach out to people and just weren't responding. And he begins to pour out his heart in prayer to God. 
in the midst of this hard time. And all he does is he talks about the majesty and he goes on attribute after attribute after attribute of God. Why do they do that? That's what this prayer does. The Lord's Prayer does the exact same thing. It says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And then it ends, For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the what? The glory forever. The reason that is, is because God should be the focus of any prayer. It's not about what we get or what we want or what we need. It's, it's focusing our attention on God. And prayer is to give God the, the, the privilege of responding to our prayers and putting His majesty, His power on display. We read Psalm 86 this morning. And the psalmist is about to offer a prayer and he's going to, to pray to God. And he's seeking God's mercy and God's love and God's compassion and His, his tenderness. In verse 6, he says, Give ear, O Lord, unto my prayer, and attend to the voice of my supplication. In the day of trouble I will call upon you, for you will answer me. In the midst of trouble, this is a prayer of David. His heart's burdened. And he goes on there, and he, he talks about the majesty of God, about the character of God. For you are great. You do wondrous things. See, so many times we shouldn't just march into God's throne room and say, Hey, here's what I want, pal. In Jesus' name, by the way. And walk away. That's not what we're called to do. In that psalm, he doesn't even really mention the request till the, till the very end there. It's amazing. He just doesn't bring it up. He wants to acknowledge that, you know what, I'm addressing God, the almighty, all-powerful God. Secondly, I want to acknowledge that I'm in submission to your will. And that's what prayer is. Prayer is basically bowing and bending our will in submission to the will of God. And once we understand that, it makes prayer a whole different realm in our lives. We want to set God in His rightful place in our hearts and sovereign and bring our own lives in submission to His will. You look at Matthew 6 here, this prayer. Somebody came up with this outline and just incredible outline. I just want to go with this. Our Father who art in heaven talks about God's fatherhood, His paternity. Hallowed be thy name. It's God's priority. Thy kingdom come, God's program. Thy will be done, God's purpose. Give us our daily bread, His provision. Forgive us our debts, God's pardon. Lead us not into temptation. His protection. and talks about his preeminence there in the last sense. I mean, incredible time. Well, today we want to look at the fatherhood of God. God's paternity. Our Father who art in heaven. That's how this prayer begins. A lot of times we throw the word Father around like it means nothing. As a matter of fact, and a lot of times when we're praying, I've even heard people use it as a non-word. You know what a non-word is, right? When you're, when you're talking um, uh, and you stop, and, uh, uh, you know, you, that's a non-word. It's not a, non, it's not a word. Well, sometimes when we pray and there's kind of this void of silence, I've heard people fill in Lord or Father just because they don't want the silence. And sometimes we have to stop and say, what are we really saying? What are we really praying for? Our Father in heaven. I mean, I don't know if that grabs you, but that's an incredible thought that God, the one who created us all, is our Father. Amazing. An outline for prayer. The Lord's Prayer, the Disciples' Prayer, is found here in Matthew chapter 6. Over our next couple of broadcasts, it is our hope and prayer that you take the time to join us as we study this passage together to understand the significance behind prayer, how to pray, how to pray rightly. This has been Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible-teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us 
here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m., and we offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up through grade five. If you would like to encourage us here at the Graceful Truth Program, we'd love to hear from you. Please take a moment and call us at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Here's our phone number, 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. You can also find out a bit more about us off of our website, gracefultruth.org. We even have a link to the church site there as well. Again, gracefultruth.org. It is our hope and prayer that these times together in God's Word are a real encouragement to you as you seek to walk in grace. And if we can be of any further assistance to you in that walk, we'd love to avail ourselves of that. Whether it's a prayer, maybe you've got a question or two about the program today, we'd do our best to answer those questions for you. And again, you can reach us through our website, gracefultruth.org, drop us an email there, and also find a link to the church site, or call us at 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. You can also write to us. Here's the address, 2225 Euclid. We're here in Redwood City, zip code 94061. Again. That address is 2225 Euclid, Redwood City, California. The zip code is 94061. And that phone number again is 650-366-9923. 650-366-9923. If you're looking for a copy of today's program, simply mention that when you contact us and we'll get one into your hands. And then we look forward to seeing you next week at this same time as we continue our look at the Disciples' Prayer, this outline for prayer that we might understand the intimacy that we have with our Father in heaven through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We look forward to seeing you then. And until next week at this same time, God bless. God bless.